0: Hello, this is R.J. Deacon reading the Supreme Court of the United States opinion syllabus in Federal Elections Commission versus Ted Cruz. Uh, I think this is the last one for the season. Um, So if I missed one, y'all tell me. Um, It's appeal from the United States District Court for the District of Columbia. Argued January 19th, 2022 and decided May 16th, 2022. During his 2018 Senate reelection campaign and consistent with federal law. Uh, Appelli Ted Cruz loaned $260,000 to his campaign committee, Ted Cruz for Senate. To repay these and other campaign debts, com- campaigns may continue to receive contributions after Election Day. Section 304 of the Bipartisan Campaign Reform Act of 2002, BCRA, restricts the use of post-election contributions by limiting the amount that a candidate may be repaid from such funds to $250,000. 52 U.S.C. section 301116J. Relevant here, the Federal Election Commission has promulgated regulations establishing three rules to implement that limitation. First, a campaign may repay up to $250,000 in candidate loans using contributions made at any time. It's 11 CFR 116.12A. Second, to the extent the loans exceed $250,000, A campaign may use pre-election funds to repay the portion exceeding $250,000 only if the repayment occurs within 20 days of the election. Third, when the 20-day post-election deadline expires, the campaign must treat any portion above $250,000 as a contribution to the campaign, precluding latter repayment. The committee began repaying Cruz's loans after the 20-day post-election window for repaying amounts over $250,000 had closed. It, accordingly, repaid Cruz only $250,000, leaving $10,000 of his personal loans unpaid. Cruz and the committee filed this action in federal district court, alleging that Section 304 of BCRA violates the First Amendment and raising challenges to the FEC's implementing regulation. That's 116.11. The district court granted Cruz's and his committee's summary judgment on their constitutional claim, holding that the loan repayment limitation burdens political speech without sufficient justification and dismissed as moot their challenges to the regulation. The uh, Supreme Court held. Decision below is affirmed, and Chief Justice Roberts delivered the opinion. Appellees have standing to challenge the threatened enforcement of Section 304. The government recognizes that the committee's president, or the committee's present inability to repay the final $10,000 of Cruz's loans constitutes an injury, in fact, both to Cruz and his committee. It maintains, however, that appellees lack Article Three standing because these injuries are not traceable to the threatened enforcement of Section 304. See, uh, Lujan versus Defenders of Wildlife, or Lujan, I think it might be. First, the government argues that appellees knowingly triggered the application of the loan repayment limitation and thus their injuries are traceable to themselves, not the government. This court has never recognized an exception to Article 3 standing's traceability requirement for injuries that a party purposely incurs. Moreover, this court has made clear that an injury resulting from the application or threatened application of an unlawful enactment remains fairly traceable to such application even if the injury could be described in some sense as willingly incurred. See Evers v. Dwyer uh, per curiam. Cases cited by the government, uh, Clapper versus. Amnesty International and Pennsylvania v. New Jersey, do not alter that conclusion. In contrast to those cases, here the appellees' injuries are directly inflicted by the FEC's threatened enforcement of the provisions they now challenge. That appellees choose to subject themselves to those provisions does not change the fact that they are subject to them and will face genuine legal penalties if they do not comply. Finally, the government's observation that it should not be blamed for appellees' injuries because the committee had a legally available alternative that is repaying Cruz's loans in full with pre-election funds within 20 days of the election, misses the point. Demanding that a committee do so would require it to forego the exercise of the First Amendment right, to, uh, right the court must assume it has when assessing standing, that is, the right to repay its campaign debts in full at any time. The government next argues that although appellees would have standing to challenge the FEC's Implementing Regulation uh, 116.11, they do not have standing to challenge Section 304 itself. The government contends that the committee used pre-election funds to repay the first $250,000 and thus section 304's cap on using post-election funds to repay a candidate's loan does not prohibit repayment of the final $10,000 here. Instead, it is the agency's regulation with it, with its 20-day limit that prevents repayment. Appellees insist that they used post-election funds in the form of over-limit contributions to the 2018 Campaign that were redesignated as contributions to the 2024 campaign to repay Cruz's loans. Ordinarily, it would not matter whether a plaintiff was challenging the statute's enforcement or instead the enforcement of a regulation. Here, however, the parties assume that the distinction makes a difference because the subject matter jurisdiction of the three-judge district court is limited to actions challenging the enforcement of the statute. C.B.C.R.A. Section 304A. Even under the government's account, the present inability of the committee to repay and cruise to recover the final $10,000 is traceable to the operation of Section 304 itself. An agency's regulation cannot operate independently of the statute that authorized it, California versus Texas. Here, the FEC's 20-day rules was expressly promulgated to implement Section 304. Thus, if Section 304 is invalid and unenforceable... The agency's 20-day rule is as well, and the remedy appellees sought in the district court would redress appellees' harm by preventing enforcement of the agency's 20-day rule, see Luhan. In challenging the FEC's threatened enforcement of the loan repayment limitation through its implementing regulation, appellees may raise constitutional claims against Section 304, the statutory provision that, through the agency's regulation, is being enforced. Uh, C. Collins versus Yellen and because they are challenging the constitutionality of a provision of BCRA uh, jurisdiction was proper in the three-judge district court. Section 304 of BCRA burdens core political speech without proper justification. The loan repayment limitation abridges First Amendment rights by burdening candidates who wish to make expenditures on behalf of their own candidacy through personal loans. Restricting the sources of funds that campaigns may use to repay candidate loans increases the risk that such loans will not be repaid in full, which in turn deters candidates from loaning money to their campaigns. This burden is no small matter. Debt is a ubiquitous tool for financing electoral campaigns, especially for new candidates and challengers. By inhibiting a candidate from using this critical source of campaign funding, Section 304 raises a barrier to entry thus abridging political speech. The government has not demonstrated that the loan repayment limitation furthers a permissible goal. Any law that burdens First Amendment freedoms, even slightly, must be justified by a permissible interest. The only permissible ground for restricting political speech recognized by this court is the prevention of quid pro quo corruption or its appearance. See McCutcheon v. Federal Election Commission. Here, The government argues that the contributions at issue raise a heightened risk of corruption because they are used to repay a candidate's personal loans. But given that these contributions are already capped at $2,900 per election in order to prevent corruption or its appearance, the approach of adding an additional layer of regulation is a significant indicator that the regulation may not be necessary for the interests it seeks to protect. Because the government is defending a restriction on speech, it must do more than simply posit the existence of disease, of the disease sought to be cured. It must instead point to a record, evidence, or legislative findings demonstrating the need to address a special problem. This Colorado Republican Federal Campaign Commission versus Federal Election Commission. Mere conjecture is inadequate to carry a First Amendment burden. That's McCutcheon. Yet, the government is unable to identify a single case of quid pro quo corruption in this context, even though most states do not impose a limit on the use of post-election contributions to repay candidate loans. In the absence of direct evidence, the government turns to a scholarly article, a poll, and statements by members of Congress to show that the contributions used to repay candidate loans carry a heightened risk of at least the appearance of corruption. All of this evidence, however, concerns the sort of corruption loosely conceived that this court has repeatedly explained is not legitimately regulated under the First Amendment, nor is it equivalent to legislative findings that demonstrate the need to address a special problem. As a fallback argument, the government analogizes post-election contributions used to repay a candidate's loans to gifts because they enriched the candidate as opposed to the campaign's treasury. But this analogy is meaningful only if the baseline is that the campaign will default. The record suggests, however, that winning candidates are commonly uh, repaid in full. For these candidates, post-election contributions bear little resemblance to a gift. They instead restore the candidate to the status quo ante. As for losing candidates, the government does not provide any anti-corruption rationale to explain why contributions to those candidates should be restricted. Finally, the government argues for deference to Congress's legislative judgment that Section 304 furthers an anti-corruption goal. Given scant evidence of corruption, deference to Congress would be especially inappropriate where, as here, the legislative act may have been in a, in an effort to insulate legislators from effective electoral challenge. Nixon versus Shrink, uh, oh sorry, Nixon versus Shrink Missouri government Pack, uh, uh, Breyer concurrence In the end It remains the role Of this court To decide whether A particular Legislative choice Is constitutional See uh, Sable Communications Of California Versus FCC The decision below Is affirmed uh, Chief Justice Roberts Delivered the opinion Of the court In which Justices Thomas, Alito, Gorsuch Kavanaugh, and Barrett Joined Justice Kagan Filed a dissenting opinion In which Justices Breyer and Sotomayor Joined thanks for listening and thanks for listening to the whole season if you did if you'd like to support me uh get a hold of me at roadscholar80 at gmail.com that's r-o-a-d-s like the truck driving roads or you can find a paypal link in the show notes hope you guys have a good rest of your year